When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Come on Good afternoon and good evening, rugby fans. Welcome to episode 117 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. As always, I'm your host. Uh, I'm not. I'm going to be honest here. I don't feel too good today. Uh, this is not going to be a regular episode. I had to peel myself out of bed to record this, so I didn't uh, have time to write the show like I usually do. But I wanted to make sure I got a show out this week because I'm very excited for everyone to listen to this interview that I did with Queen's University of Charlotte head coach Frank McKinney. So, got a very short breakdown. The breakdown is brought to you by O'Neill's. O'Neill's is the official sportswear supplier to the biggest teams in world rugby, Infinity Park, and the American Raptors. Shop apparel now at O'Neill's.com. That's O-N-E-I-L-L-S.com. So, we'll start off with some American Raptors updates. Uh, American Raptors and I head to Uruguay on Saturday. Plan for them is to play one scrimmage and two matches. I should catch the scrimmage in the first match while I'm down there. Um, I'll have some more information for you all when I get down there, have some time to crank some content out. So it should be an awesome experience all around, trying to rest up so I feel as good as I can before we get on this plane. So that kind of does it for the American Raptors update. I'm not sure. I guess last time I I guess I could talk about the Utah match. Um, put a good could put a good win over Utah Warrior Selects a couple of weeks ago. Don't remember the score off the top of my head. Um, but they're looking good. They're going into Uruguay with some momentum. Um, like I said, should be an awesome experience all around. So I'm going to try to make this short, try to get back in bed and, and get some more rest before we take off here in a couple of days. Moving into USA Rugby, uh, USA Rugby Women's Eagles fell 15-9 to to Canada on Monday at Infinity Park as they play this Pacific Four Series competition. Uh, they will have a rematch at Infinity Park on Friday evening. Should be much warmer. It felt like, uh, you know, it was like 30 degrees, I think, on Monday play again on Friday evening. Uh, hope, hopefully they can bounce back. Hopefully they are uh, come back strong and can take this match over Canada this weekend. I encourage everyone to get out and support them if you can. I um, think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the same time, so it'll be 6 p.m. on Friday night at Infinity Park. should be broadcast, I think, on World Rugby's YouTube page as well, so pretty, pretty easy to support. Um, um, this is where I would jump into all the rugby you can watch this weekend. Like I said, I'm going to skip that. Uh, so we'll jump into the interview portion of the show. This interview is brought to you by Guard Lab. Join the mouth guard revolution with American-made mouth guards that perform, protect, and recover. Uh, get more information on Guard Lab at guardlab.com. 
Like I said, top of the show, had an awesome conversation with Queens University of Charlotte men's rugby head coach, Frank McKinney. Uh, you might have seen Frank's name floating around there on the internet because uh, a documentary entitled Scrum about him and his program just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's available to watch now on 99goodfilms.com. I think it costs $12, so it's just like take it to the movie theater, but you can watch it in the comfort of your own home. Follows Frank and his team through their 2019 season and provides really what I said to Frank, and you'll hear it in the interview, what I, what I thought was a real honest look at college rugby in the United States. Um, and it was just fun to catch up with Frank. I know kind of this is the first time I've really had the opportunity to watch something like that, take notes, uh, pick things out of a documentary, and then talk to the main character of the documentary, who the documentary follows, you know, throughout the entire story um, about what was going on in the documentary and just his life and stuff, and get his thoughts on some uh, things in rugby, and especially with these crossover athletes that we've been talking to, you know, for these last year and a half. Frank goes into, into the documentary, talks about crossing over some wrestlers into rugby players, so it's fun to get his thoughts on all that um, and just asking some questions that came to mind throughout the documentary. So I thought it was a really fun interview, one of the funner interviews I've, I've done this year. Um, and it was good to get to know Frank and, and hearing his experiences and, and asking him questions about the documentary and uh, hoping to catch up with Frank again down the road. So uh, with that introduction, I hope everybody enjoyed this conversation with Queen's University of Charlotte men's head rugby coach Frank McKinney. All right, now we welcome on to the show a very special guest. We have uh, head men's rugby coach Frank McKinney from Queens University of Charlotte on today. Talk about his new movie Scrum, a documentary based about his rugby program down there in North Carolina. So Frank, thank you very much for coming on the show. How are you doing? Golden, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, so I had the chance to sit down and watch a movie a couple of days ago. I really did enjoy it. I thought it was a very honest look at rugby in America, especially the college game. Uh, so I'm excited to talk to you about it. I got a couple questions about the show, a couple questions about you and your career. Uh, but Frank, the first question we ask everybody that comes on this show is, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Sure. Um, that's probably a long answer. But I, uh, my dad's in the Navy, so I moved around a lot. So I would, what I tell people is that I've probably spent uh, 50% of my life in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, 30% of my life, in, or 40% of my life in Virginia Beach, um, and then I spent a small portion in uh, Michigan for grad school, a small part in Charleston, South Carolina, um, but most of it in Charlotte and Virginia Beach. Very nice. I just went down and uh, checked out Charleston, South Carolina last week. That was my first time down there. I liked it there. Yeah, great place to live. Uh, I, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could see that being a so, problem. Seems like things move a little bit slower there for me, especially I live in Denver, so a lot smaller. Uh, so, Frank, I know okay. w- watching the documentary, uh, you, you're talking about how you got into rugby. You said you played soccer, uh, and you went, I think it was when you are in college, you went off the soccer team, and you showed up out of shape. So they said, hey, come back when you're in shape. Uh, and you discovered rugby. So can you tell us a little bit of how that happened? Like, how did you find it? What kind of drew you to it? How did you just get into rugby? So I, you know, I was used to playing sports, um, always competitive. Soccer was my my passion at the time. Um, and I was kind of falling out of love with soccer just because I played it from age five to 18. So mm. uh, I saw some guys throwing the ball around in the quad, which was, you know, where all the, some of the dorms had actually created this grass area and I went out there and started running the ball and I loved running the ball 
and I felt like I was good running the ball. So uh, I got tackled one time and I got back up and I was like, all right, that was fun. And then I had to tackle and I was like, all right, that's fun. And then I said, you know, hey, let me uh, talk to you guys about potentially playing. So I went out, started playing and just fell in love with the sport, fell in love with the guys and uh, knew that was something I wanted to do for a long time. Yeah. I always like to ask rugby people this is like, do you remember the moment that it clicked? Like, do you remember the the moment that you're like, man, this is really fun. I like doing this. Yeah. A fun fact that I, that I probably have never told anybody in an interview. I love it. So Exclusive. One of the, one, <laughs> do, 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 breaking news. Uh, <laughs> one of the, one of the interesting things that happened to me and I, I can't remember if it was the first practice or one of the practices, but at the time in college, it was a big thing to kind of have two in the back on your mouth. But I think I went to practice with uh, with a little bit of chew in my mouth, and I got tackled and swallowed uh, the chew, and, which was very, which is not smart, uh, which got me really ill, and uh, it really made me remember that rugby practice. But that's uh, that's something I don't think I've ever revealed. But it's something pretty <laughs> funny that happened to me. Oh man, that made me so sick. I cannot even imagine that. <laughs> trying to it, was, it was not good. Yeah. It was it was not good. I've heard about the the hockey players. I think they put it like between their toes. So. Uh, yeah, you might maybe pivot if anyone's getting any ideas that might be the the move to pivot to that uh frank That's so uh, i wanted to ask you too so you, as a soccer player i played a little bit of soccer when i was growing up and i played some football too before i got into rugby and i always kind of felt that playing rugby felt a lot like playing soccer did you kind of get the same feeling i honestly as a coach now i think soccer transitions the best into rugby and other coaches may disagree but i think soccer players look for space they look to pass you know, their head is up, they're surveying the field. Um, so I think soccer it translate the easy, translates the easiest into rugby. I think wrestling, and you'll see in the movies, we have wrestlers. Uh, the wrestlers sometimes lack the hand-eye coordination to catch, mm-hmm. uh, but they love the physicality. They love the tackle. They get low. They got a good work. Their, their work effort, effort is uh, top-notch. Football players are really good, too. They're used to practicing multiple days a week. They love the physicality. Um, but I would say soccer probably translates the easiest into rugby, in my opinion. That's interesting. And I do have a lot of, uh, of crossover athlete questions here coming up in a little bit, but I don't want to, I don't want to burn them yet. So we'll save them for that. <laughs> um, Frank, I guess the next thing I wanted to ask is how did you get into coaching? And I guess, how did you wind up at Queens? I know you touched a little bit on it in the documentary, but I wanted to kind of hear it from, from the horse's mouth. Yeah. So part of this would be a, a revelation that, that another, another break, you're, you're getting the good question. So the first part's not a revelation. So how did I get into coaching? Uh, when I started playing, I played at Charlotte rugby club from approximately 93 to 2008. Um, when we started becoming really good, uh, we played in what was called the super league and our coach gave us this agreement. And the agreement was that we were going to go out in the community and help coach a team and give our time back to the community. Uh, which was a challenge because you're working, you're playing, you've got lifting plans. Um, so at the time, the woman I was dating uh, worked at a high school called Myers Park High School. And I flew back early from a game we had in Baltimore. I think we were playing Baltimore Chesapeake Men's Club. Uh, and I flew back early to run a camp. So it was on Sunday and I get to the camp and there's 13 players at the camp. Well, obviously, for 15 aside rugby, you need 15 guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went out there and I started running the camp, and the, the, the kids were really nice, and they were er- eager to lead, the, to learn. There was a parent that was kind of getting them all together. So I was like, maybe I'll come back to another one. So then the parent said, hey, am I, am I going to see you at the next practice? And I, you know, I, I was, I was kind of like, whoa, you know, let's, <laughs> let's, let's slow down a little bit. 
but I ended up falling in love with the program and the kids and that really got me going. So I, I coached there and then I ended up uh, leaving to go to Charleston, came back when I was in Charleston, I coached uh, the back line for the Citadel uh, mm-hmm. for one season and then came back and started coaching a club team called the Charlotte Tigers. Uh, during that time, uh, the guy who runs the program and runs the youth programs there, we we had we had butted heads uh, and we were butting heads a lot. And we went down to a school called Wanda, which is in Charleston, um, and we beat Wanda, which was nationally ranked at the time, like 12 and ended up being nationally ranked. But we got into a heated discussion about why uh, this, this our scrum half that we had that came in as a backup played the last seven minutes of the game. Um, and I was you know, I I. I played him because he had made every practice and worked his butt off, but mm-hmm. there was, you know, he, we just had a difference of opinion on why he played. And then I, I probably got a little upset because I felt like, Hey, you know, why is somebody questioning me? Um, this guy ran the program. So I probably should have listened a little more, but during that phone call, he said, Hey, well, you know, you're fired. Um, wow. and in my mind, I felt like I was a certain level of a coach. Um, but he, you know, he said, you're fired. And I, and I talk about that. I've been fired as a coach. And that was when that was the time that I was fired as a coach. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting though. I went to a high level, uh, I went to a level 300 coaching course and the guy running the course was, was also a sports psychologist. And at the last, when we, when we sat down for the last meeting, he, you know, he said, you know, you're natural, all this great stuff. And I said, well, you know, I have to tell you something that, you know, I got fired as a coach. And he said to me, he goes, he started laughing. He said, there's two types of coaches in this world. There's the coaches that have been fired and the coaches that are about to be fired. Mm. And that, uh, that really hit me. That made me laugh. That put me in a better mood. But fast forward, I got, I got fired in January. I got hired in March by Queens. Okay. Um, and I truly don't know if I would have taken the Queens job if I was still coaching um, that club team because I talked to the players about commitment. So I was a big pivotal part of my life and a big change uh, my life. So that's how I ended up at Queens. Wow. What a story. I love it. I like that. I've yeah, never heard I, that I, before I, too. People, no, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I don't, I, I probably haven't, it's not that I, it's not that that's a secret, but that's, that's really how I ended up at Queens. And I, I, I've sat down with the guy that ran the program. We we've had lunches a couple of times and he said, I don't think you would have left. And, and I don't know if I would, because I had talked to the players about commitment and Queens was my dream job. Like it was, it was truly my dream job. Mm-hmm. So it just, it just, you know, I'm a, I'm a man of, you know, I don't want to get into religion on a rugby podcast, but I just feel like God puts you in the places you need to be sometimes. And that's really what happened to me. So, um, yeah, that's how I ended up at Queens. That's great. I love that. That's awesome. I've never heard that before either. The, the coaches that have been fired and coaches that are about to be fired. And I guess that kind of, that's a man who just kind of leading into these questions I have. So I'm going to skip back into the, uh, the wrestler question. So you mentioned, you know, just in the earlier in the conversation, and then in the in the documentary that uh, when you're you're building this program, right? And you said you had how many wrestlers come out? Four, five wrestlers that had never played rugby before. Yeah, in the beginning we had four. We had uh, two heavyweights. <laughs> we yeah. had uh, two that were probably 185, 165 that ended up being flankers. Yeah. Uh, we eventually ended up having a kid who was like a 135 who played wing. Um, yeah, so they came out and played rugby. It says I had four in the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's probably because one of the kids, one of them flunked out and the other ended up leaving school just because of grades too. So yeah. it's kind of, a, but we technically had five that, that actually joined the team. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's going to lead in. So, uh, this DNVR rugby podcast, like I said, based in Denver, 
Um, and, and a lot of the stuff I've been doing has been on this this American Raptors Colorado EXO crossover experiment. Have you heard anything about this at all? I have. I yeah. have. I haven't had a chance to watch them. I do know they played Clemson. Yes. Um, so I've, I've read a little bit about them, but I, I do know a little bit. Yeah. yeah, so they were down and played Clemson last year. So, I, like, the last two years of my life have been talking to guys like that, like wrestlers, football players, basketball players, like track and field athletes who have never played rugby before and then – you know they're they're giving it a shot now. So that that was like one of the parts of the documentary that really interested me is because you're kind of facing some of the same like I don't know if it's challenges or dilemmas or you know you're getting you're getting crossover athletes to come play based off of the, you know give those four or five wrestlers. So uh, I had a couple of questions about that. And so how many players on your team are true crossover athletes, or do you have a lot of guys now uh, coming through that have played rugby before? So we've got two starters. Um, that were wrestlers that that had never. I don't think that one of them says in the movie he'd never heard of, he'd never heard of rugby before. Uh, and he's got a legit chance to be drafted in the MLR draft. The second kid is an is an it, for for rugby people. He's an open side flanker. He has a legitimate chance to be drafted in the MLR draft. The difference, though, I think for these guys is that they have trained. I mean, we've we've trained four to five days a week, and these guys have been for four plus years training. Yeah. So uh, one plays hooker. And the work rate and the work effort from wrestlers is 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 just unbelievable. So the one guy who's a hooker would stay after practice and throw the ball at the wall for 30 to 45 minutes, just working his craft. The open side flanker, the problem he had, fitness was fitness was really high, tackling ability is really high, but he had two problems. One, is he couldn't catch very well, mm -hmm. um, and that, that's not a secret. He just he never played any sports, never really played football, so his hand-eye coordination for catching just wasn't good. So he would sit after practice and work over and over and over again uh, on catching the ball. But when you watch these guys on tape, I mean, now you could never tell that they, they didn't play rugby. Right. So they're starters. I mean, it's never, it's never a question of whether they're going to start or not. Um, but it's just, they've been in the program long enough to where, you know, they've done really good things. Um, a lot of the guys we get now, we get guys that are, that are newer, players so that they have a little bit of rugby under their belt yeah uh, and then we get then we get very experienced players but i will tell you from the american players we get in american players in high school usually practice two days a week mm -hmm. and some clubs practice three days a week uh we're we're five days a week we have uh, strength and conditioning two days a week they have study hall uh depending on what their gpa is uh, multiple days a week so it's pretty structured um but it's it's all on trying to help them be uh, high functioning in the classroom as good citizens and on the field. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I guess I have a couple more questions about that. Uh, how, how hard is it to convince these guys to come play rugby? Like, especially these couple of wrestler guys that you said have very f bright futures in the sport now, but was it a hard sell for them at first? So the, there's been two wrestling coaches. The first wrestling coach figured out that if he gave a little bit of scholarship money and we gave a little bit of scholarship money, it would help the athletes to get into school. Uh, it would help them to be able to afford college. Mm -hmm. The problem that we didn't foresee was that being a dual sport athlete in two sports that are, you know, that that are pretty intense is very hard. So mm -hmm. we started seeing that the GPAs were dropping, their grades were dropping. So the athletic director made a decision and just said, hey, if you're below a 3-0, you've got to pick a sport. Um, so that that caused, you know, obviously that's a challenge because yes. the wrestling coach wants them to wrestle. We want them to play rugby. Um, so it, it was interesting two of them picked uh rugby 
Uh, third guy had over 3-0, so he just kept doing both. Uh, the third guy was was probably a 135, 140 mm-hmm. pound wrestler, but was played wing and was lightning quick, really good tackling. Um, but he couldn't make enough rugby practices because wrestling was his was his first love. Yeah. Um, so he ended up he ended up transferring to another school to wrestle. Um, but the other two were still here. They they both stopped wrestling and came and uh, played rugby. Okay. Very nice. And then uh, I was going to ask too, is like how long do you do, have you seen it usually take some, like you said, you're very structured, you're practicing every single day, you know, over work week, um, they're lifting, all this stuff, is, you know, it's, it's full-time environment, right? You're training every day, for lack of a better term. And how long have you seen that it takes them to kind of get up to speed with some of the other guys on your team that are a little bit more experienced? Yeah, it's going to depend on positions. Um, I think front row, uh, you know, we, we go live scrums, we have a scrum sled. Our, our, I think our forward coach, uh, is the best scrummaging coach in the country in college. I mean, he's just, he's, if you watch our scrums on tape, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty incredible. Um, so from that standpoint, I mean, I think that's a shorter time frame. It's going to depend on how much work the, the player puts in mm-hmm. second row, getting around the field, raising the rugby IQ, you know, that's going to be, you know, it's tough to give a time frame. Yeah. I would tell you to be a nine, to be a nine or 10, um, it's probably going to be, I don't want to say impossible, but it's going to be a, a big challenge. Um, just because of the, you have to have a high rugby IQ. Um, you know, you're, we, we have our tens making the calls. Um, so that's a challenge to be a, uh, a crossover athlete and be a nine or 10, yeah. uh, to play 12 or 13 is maybe a little easier. We still look for really good guys that can pa- guys that can, that can pass off both hands, have good decision-making, um, but it's going to be less of a hurdle to to be able to get into play 12 or 13 as a crossover. Uh, wings are going to be probably wings in front row, in my opinion, will be the easiest um, just because we have less calls for the wings. There's less there's less uh, responsibility for the wings. Um, fullback's a challenge. Fullback is to be another fly half for what mm-hmm. we're for the program we're running. So that's going to be a higher rugby IQ. That's going to take longer. Um, we had two really good flankers that were wrestlers that, that ended up leaving school uh, and they were wrestlers. And, and these guys were next level athletes. They were violent, you know, high work rate. And these guys were running sub eight minute miles. Um, so from that standpoint, I mean, I think those guys would have really, I mean, it, it, they, they were, we had a wrestler. This is to me, it was pretty crazy. We had a wrestler who my second season, we had a really good, we had a good team second season and he started, uh, my second season. And he said to me, coach, I don't like being on the bench, but he watched tape rugby game after game after game, worked his butt off. Um, and he started and was a, it was a big contributor to our team and then just ended up leaving school. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's actually in the movie, uh, but a phenomenal young man, but he, I mean, we were looking at, I mean, six, three, you know, probably two thirty-five, wow. uh, blindside flanker motor for days violent at the contact point counter rock i mean just i mean everything you'd want in a in a next level uh, flanker the problem is he just you know he left school yeah so i think if you are practicing five days a week there's no other way there's only one way for you to get you're only going to get better right um but it's going to depend on the position to see how long you can take to contribute to a top level team and how long it will take for you to be able to, to to be somebody that can challenge for a be in a pool for a national team right that's funny that you say all that because that's kind of like what i've heard just from like i said being around this program since it's began 
um, is that the crossover in, in the forward pack have, have come along a little bit quicker and it's been a little bit easier of a transition than even, like you said, in the back line. Um, I think the, the last, the spring season and this fall season that they're playing right now, I think both times the, the 10 has been an experienced rugby player in Campbell Johnstone. So um, they're, they're learning that transitioning the back line is a little bit harder than they even were anticipating, even in the centers and stuff like that. But uh, that's, that's funny that you say that because it is a lot of the same things that I've heard and that I've seen. Um, but in that same sense there, these guys are out here again, five days a week, training twice a week. Uh, lifting every single day. So the the strides that they've made in a short amount of time is very impressive. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it keeps going. So I wanted to make sure I asked you about all that before we jump back into the movie. So thank you for your answers on that, Frank. Uh, my next question is, yeah, you, you gave a... One thing, oh, yes, go for Colton, it. One, one thing I want to add to you, you jarred my memory as you were talking. You know, one thing to keep in mind, too, in these crossover athletes, like athletically, what I see is they're better athletes than than what we recruit in the U.S. and rugby. And in, in most cases, mm-hmm. in most cases, the, the issue is it's the rugby IQ part. It's, yeah. it's the it's getting them to where they see so many different scenarios that nothing is going to stump them. Nothing is going to nothing's going to they'll know exactly. OK, this is what I need to do. So that's that's the challenge. But these athletes are they're not used to practicing twice a week. They're used to practicing five days a week. Right. They're used to putting in extra work. And a lot of times we get U.S. rugby players and they're like two days a week. And then by the time the preseason's done, they look like, they look like they're broken. <laughs> they're like, good Lord. Yeah. They're like, good Lord. I almost died. I'm like, what? <laughs> the wrestlers are like, is that it coach? We're, yeah. we're we done. We're, we're no more preseason. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. And I guess like going back to the, your, your statement on, seeing scenarios is there any way to is there any way to replicate that or does it just come down to you just have to play like you just have to play matches and play as many matches as you can um is there any other way to kind of go about that to, to be honest the the recipe for success i mean i, I think every if, you, if you're a rugby fan you watch new zealand dismantle the u.s team mm-hmm. you know the the recipe i think for success is to start kids young passing the ball so they're playing over and over and over again get good athletes, um, get kids that are, you know, we, we, in America, I feel like football coaches do a disservice. If you're five, nine and you run a four, seven, 40, you're not going you, the, I, the, the chances of you getting a D one scholarship are very, very small, Yeah. but that you can play rugby with. That, right. Right. So if you're six, four, six, five, you know, and you're two ten, two twenty, you know, there may not be a lot of places for you to get a D one scholarship because of your speed, but you can go and play second row and, and probably go and, and could yeah. go a long ways in rugby. Yeah. So, no, I agree with you 100%. So, like I said, I'm glad I got to ask you about it because you, you are kind of dealing with some of the same things, and I wanted to get your opinion on all that. So, uh, next question I have for you, Frank, is you gave a you gave an Art of War quote before that first match that they showcased in the documentary. Mm-hmm. The, I've never read that book, but I did like this quote. Every war is won before it's fought. Um, so I had to, I had to ask though, like, did you know that you were going to do that? Like, did you know that that season was going to go like that? I guess does that quote apply to just that match, or was it for kind of that whole season? Because, I mean, you put a hurting on on quite a few teams that, in that season showcased in the documentary. Yeah. So one of the things that happened is that we had to go to Furman uh, for the Sweet Sixteen, so and Sweet Sixteen Final Eight at Furman, and it hit me when. All the kids, all the players reported to the bus 15 minutes before we were supposed to leave. Entire bus 
had every nobody was running two minutes before the bus. Nobody was running five minutes before. Everybody was on the bus fifteen minutes before the report time for the bus. Mm-hmm. And I got on the bus and took a deep breath and said, "Man, we are going to unleash on some teams." Because I just I could just tell the players were dialed in. Um, and to me, it was like this is we're going to go down there and we're going to. I mean, it's 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 going to be you know it's it's going to be a good day, good couple of days for us. But it was just because I could tell the players were were, were dialed in. Um, did I know we we're going to win both games? Had I seen a lot of tape of the teams? No, but I just I knew we can control, and I knew yeah. where our guys, where our mindset was. Okay, I had to ask that because it just seemed like when you said that, and then you went out and what was the first one, seventy three to ten, I think was was what the final score was. Like, man, you had to have known. I thought so, uh, but it sounds like you knew you were going to be a force to be reckoned with, even if you know maybe the results weren't there, but they were. So I wanted to make sure I asked you about that. Uh, next question I have for you, Franks. How did you find uh, Coach T? I know you talked a little bit about the documentary, but did you know him before um, that, or that little you know interaction where you're meeting him at the Walmart to get the the equipment? Yeah, Coach T is, uh, has really become my right hand. He, um, what's interesting about Coach T is he was, and I didn't realize this till he told me, but I actually coached him in All Stars. I, oh, wow. I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how that's how you know you're getting old. Yeah. Guys like you know you coached me. But what's interesting about Coach T is he was never my first coach, uh, my first choice to bring on because I had worked with some other coaches and all stars, mm-hmm. and I would look at him as younger. Um, but he came on and said, "You know, I'll come and volunteer," and that's the epitome of what our program has been about. I mean, he he came in and said, "Man, I'll take the risk and volunteer." And then the, the story doesn't get into it, but I actually I actually hired two other coaches. I brought one coach in and paid a new coach before I paid him. Mm-hmm. And then I split the salary of a, of a part-time coach between three coaches. Wow. So he's getting one third of the salary. And he came in one day and just was all frowned up. And I, I had to, we had to go into the, uh, into one of the rooms, man. I said, you got to get it together. I said, I can't have a guy moping around. Yeah. So you need to get it together. And you won't be here, but he is, uh, I mean, he, and this is nothing against the other coaches. He outworked the other coaches became so valuable to me that it was like, Hey, I've, I've got to have this guy. And still today, he's a huge value in what we do. Um, he's, I think he's the best drum coach in the country. I mean, I think that's a lofty praise, but I mm-hmm. see it every day. And if you just watch our scrums on tape, you know, it's, it, it just, I mean, it, I mean, we've scrummed against some of the best, we scrummed against life. We scrummed against army. We scrummed against Navy. I mean, we scrummed against some of the best teams in the country. And if you just watch our scrums, I mean, it's, it's, it's all him. Yeah. I mean, he's got the guy buying in. He's got the guys working hard. Um, he's a phenomenal coach, phenomenal person, and he's really become my right hand. Um, but he's the epitome of what of what our program is about. Yeah, and I know you said that the the documentary missed like a little bit of those. You know, they didn't talk really about some of that stuff. But I think it does a good job of of showcasing that because he does seem like like I said, I watched a couple of days ago. He just seems like a very important piece, and seems like he is always there for you. I and he was a person that stuck out to me, so I wanted to make sure I asked you about him. Um, so yeah. Frank, I know you, you talked about earlier in the, in the conversation, you said there's either coaches that have been fired or about to be fired. So I had to ask like, how nervous were you walking into that meeting with the AD after that SVU match? Because I feel like we've all been, <laughs> at, we've all been, at, at, you know, had moments uh-huh. in our life where we're like, man, this is not, this is not going to be a fun Monday or this is not going to be fun talking to this person. So I had to ask that. So Colin, let me set the scene for you. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing Fight too, because out. in the in the documentary, when when the when whoever is asking the questions asks you about, it, I was like, oh man, I hope he's not sitting there looking the same way when I ask him kind of the same question tomorrow. 
No, I'm actually good with it now. Just because it's, it's, <laughs> it's in the past, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll to be honest. It's. I mean, a fight breaks out. Uh, a parent ran on the field. A parent got punched. Uh, the police were called. The police wouldn't do anything about the parent that got punched. Uh, the fight really wasn't as big as the. They they really hyped it up on the yeah, thing. And, it's and like, movie magic. Did, I'm sure. Yeah, the guy that did the movie told me he's going to do it. He also had two different camera angles, so he he had access to the tape of us filming it and access to SVU filming it. So he was able to, to take some different things. But you know, it's a little unnerving because rugby is a sport that we try to show college is safe and the guys are good people. Um, and what really didn't show in that in that tape is that um, as we're playing, we were up probably twenty five to five. Uh, and they brought a player in who I'm not exactly sure if he was a student at the school. Uh, but when he got on the field, he just, I mean, just started running over us, running around us, and just like, I mean, just taking over the game and just mm-hmm. got them hyped up. They scored with no time left and kicked the conversion to win the game. Mm-hmm. And that that's when everything started getting, that, that's when our guys, and our, the referee dinged us, for probably seven penalties against two penalties. Yeah. Um, and all that I think got in our players head. We didn't act the right way. We didn't respond the right way. We should have just walked off the field, but that, you know, that was, a, it wasn't just that we lost uh, in the scoreboard. We lost, you know, as I talk about it in the minds of the, the, the actual administration of the school, uh, parents, everybody that you can think of. So uh, getting back to school, having that Monday meeting, uh, with the AD, and it, it really wasn't just with the AD. It was the AD and two associate ADs. Which, if you're a rugby sport, that's that's not the meetings you want to be. Those are <laughs> right. <laughs> those are not the meetings you want to be in. So yeah, it's uh yeah, and you and and in the back of your mind, you think you know, can I be fired? Could they get rid of the program? Could they suspend player? I mean, there's the, everything is on right. the board. Every option is on the board. So uh, no, not one of my fondest moments of my life. <laughs> But you made it through, right? Learning experience. Here you are. Keep going. Yeah, big. And I think the players too, because they know. Yeah, hey, yeah. Because I've told, I told them, man, I, I don't like being in those meetings. But yes, let's don't keep, make let's keep me, you don't out have me meetings. going to meetings like that. <laughs> oh, Frank, I know uh, we're kind of bumping up against your time. I have a couple of questions left. Do you have a couple more minutes, or do you need to let's, get going? Yeah, somewhere? let's roll. Okay, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, no. Let's roll. All right. So the next question I had is just, what did that winning that national championship mean to you? Because you kind of hit the ground. It looked like it was a really important. So I wanted to ask you what that meant to you. Yeah, it's funny. I think I was fine. And then I took a couple steps and then the, <laughs> then they dumped the water on me. And then that's when everything, that's when I, I couldn't hold anything back. Like it was just, it was, uh, it's just one of those euphoric moments that you remember for the rest of your life. Like it's just this crazy, you know, and, and leading up to that, you know, we were up by a good amount and, and coach T leans over and he said, the police are not going to let the, the students storm the field. And I was like, what? I'm like, we're a D2. <laughs> we're a D2. I'm like, what? I'm like, I looked at him. I said, what? Yeah. He said, the police are not going to let the students storm the field. Well, the whole women's team and other students were on the front of the actual thing. And they were ready to storm the field. And the police had had stood in front of the actual bleachers to make sure they couldn't jump over the wall to storm the field, which mm. to me was crazy. Like, we're a D2 team. Um, but yeah. at that moment when the water was poured on me, I, I did fall to my knees um you'll see in the movie you know my i had a 13 year relationship that ended during the movie um i remember i didn't have anything when i started the program uh you know and and i in the words of drake you know we started from the bottom and then we were were, you know we were here yeah so 
it just was just i mean it was like and, and you know and also think to yourself you know you're there's a there's a part of history um and i didn't know and you'll see this in the movie I'm, i become the first uh, african-american male uh rugby coach to win a national championship in college rugby yeah um which which is to me still crazy yeah but, that's awesome you know, i didn't know I, that either I, I was surprised when i saw that on the screen yeah we had to call golf and uh you know as backstory we had to call if you looked that we think golf in the credits i did, I did see that went, yeah he went through every national championship like every every usa fucking <laughs> national championship and went through every single coach and came back with that so that wasn't like hey we said that and in my mind i thought that was the case but i didn't really i right. didn't really know Let's go. You got somebody digging through the root. That's that'd be a lot of work too. So oh, shout out to yeah, Alex Scott yeah, for that. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to him. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask Frank, how did the idea for the documentary originate? Like, is that something that someone came to you and pitched, or just kind of? Uh, there's obviously the, with this with this American Raptors XO thing. There's been a documentary the whole time, so I've got to peek behind the curtain a little bit. So how did the idea kind of come together for that? Yeah, to be honest, it wasn't me. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the actual movie, the guy that the, the film, the director and the guy that made the movie, we've been friends for like 26 years. And if you look at his, uh, his IMBD page, or you look at his resume, I mean, he says in there, I make movies where I can either be killed or put in jail. So he's done movies in Beirut, movies about homelessness, movies in Nepal. And he just came to me and he said, Hey, I'd like to come film your team. Uh, I don't know what it's going to co- what's going to come of it, but, you know, you can actually just use it for like B-roll film or for recruiting. And as we started talking and he started walking around the school and he had lived in Myers Park many years mm-hmm. ago and he knew it's it's a pretty it's a very rich neighborhood. Uh, and he's like, you know, you know, there's a story here. And I'm like, there's not really a story. I'm a coach. There, there's <laughs> not a story. He goes, no, no, no. There, there's a story here. So he ended up. uh telling me it's a story, you know, getting, lining all the ducks and getting all the ducks in a row to get the thing rolling. And then uh, just started going to players' homes, getting all the agreements signed, uh, getting the agreements signed before we went to the players' homes. And then just yeah. started uh, rolling out a movie. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I was wondering that when I was watching it, like kind of how that all came together, but that makes sense. Uh, what has life been like for you since the doc ended? Because I know um, it's been a very wild few years for everybody in the world since that movie was filmed right yeah we missed a year so we had seniors that uh didn't get to play anymore um you know and i had to tell all the seniors that the ironic thing is we won in december of 2019 in march of 2020 and, and our goal was to win a, a sevens national championship too yeah i, yeah, I, I heard that in the double. movie yeah our goal was to, i called the double winning the 15s and sevens and uh we played in one tournament and won the won the tournament down at UGA. There was a bunch of D1 teams there. Um, but you know, that wasn't to be. And I had to tell all the players, like, look, at least we got to get to our 15s national championship in December yeah. because we we had a really good, uh, really good women's uh lacrosse team who was ranked number one in the country and they didn't they weren't able to compete for a national championship because of COVID. So I tell the players we were really, really lucky. Yeah. That is tough. Um, how has this year been going for you? How's 2021 been? Because it seems like you, I think it said in the movie, you guys started everything back up in January. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've, we've been competing in the fall. Um, we've played some really good teams. Uh, currently, if you, if you take a look today, um, golf rugby for one double A has ranked us number one in the country. Uh, we just won the Chesapeake conference this past Saturday. 
Um, we have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. So we host uh, the Liberty Division, uh, I, the loser of the Iona Northeastern game. Um, the school has been putting out some media just on our performances and stuff like that. So uh, life is good. But I, you know, I, I always, you know, I told the players, you know, we're we're trying to, I mean, we're trying to keep going. Yeah. So we 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 Monday, you know, we have three weeks before our next game. So Monday we. We got a, I got a kickball and some bases, and we played kickball, nice. had some pizza, <laughs> and some chicken fingers. But then Tuesday, full practice. Uh, uh, sorry, Wednesday, full practice. Thursday, today, we're gonna have full practice. We're gonna get the players off Friday. Just tell them to go. You know, just just go do something fun. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a new new year, new goals. That's awesome. Um, my life is a my life as a coach hasn't hasn't changed. Everybody's like, oh. All this great stuff's happened to you. No, nah, not really. It's all it's still the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Congrats, Frank. That's awesome. Here, I'll be pulling for you. Yeah. Thank as you. we go through those thank playoffs you. here, uh, I got two more questions for you, Frank. Then I'll let you go. I promise. Almost done here. So, a uh, first sure. question I had: What does "click clack" mean? Oh, uh, I honestly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a theory. I, I can know. tell you my theory. I've but go for it. I probably should know because I'm saying that. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sure your theory is probably right. Because okay. I think back now, I'm staying in the movie. And one of our guys from Greenville, South Carolina, he said, we're going to go, we're going to call, you know, uh, Queens on three, click clack on six. And I, I didn't, honestly, I, I don't know. I have a guess, I think. Um, yeah, I have a guess. I, I think it has, yeah. I, what is your, what my, is your theory? My theory, uh, I don't know if you remember back in the day, like I saw Under Armour, like had something to do with this movie, right? Like they're your kit provider or something under armor yes, football yes. when they came out with football cleats for the first time and what was this like 2008 they had a do you remember like their their commercial was click clack like that was the click clack cleats it's like when you were walking in the uh, locker room it was like click clack click clack like as you go onto the field that's what i thought <laughs> yeah no no that's probably right okay. I, to be honest i don't know but i think you might be right okay right. if i'm not right we could just pretend that i am right like you just tell your team that's what it means <laughs> Attribute it to me. I'm good with that. Give more listeners to the podcast. No, I'm kidding. That's what I thought though when I was watching it though. Um, and then my last question, and, and kind of in that same, you know, you were talking about the special thanks at the end of the movie. Uh, I think it was second to last. I saw a special thank you to the Wu Tang Clan. What was that about? <laughs> you were good, man. Yeah. You don't miss anything. I took some notes, so man. I'm you telling watch- you, I watch this pretty intently. <laughs> you you are, you are good. So if you watch the movie. Um, the uh, Pax mom, Jared, Jared's mom comes in the room and she says, "Kaboom! Guess who stepped in the room?" Oh, that's okay. A <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a that's a, a Wu Tang line. So what's funny is the guy that made the movie, right? He we both watched that, and I I knew it was some rap line, but I didn't know who it was. Uh-huh. But his wife, who's like from the you know she's from the suburbs and from Ohio, and is like this like high end like you know worked for these uh, like uh, you know just I mean really top level executive uh-huh he's watching it with him she goes oh that's wu-tang <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... and i'm like what he goes yeah jenny just told me that's wu-tang i'm like your wife knows that's wu-tang <laughs> he goes yeah i'm like i didn't even know it was wu-tang yeah. and i listened i've listened to wu-tang yeah yeah that's why they think wu-tang in the movie she comes in and she goes kaboom guess who stepped in the uh, i did hear that but i didn't put it Wu-Tang. together either i guess the lesson yeah. here frank you... is, is wu-tang like rugby is for everybody right yeah, yeah. So Wu Tang was it Wu Tang's for the kids or Wu-Tang's something like for that? The they children. 
Yeah, for the children. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think rugby's for everybody. But yeah, yeah. I, I definitely would agree with that. All right, Frank, that's all the questions I had for you, man. I really enjoyed talking to you, really enjoyed the movie. Uh, I encourage anybody that's interested, even if you're not interested, go watch this movie, Scrum. It's available on 99goodfilms.com. Thank you so much for your time, Frank. I really appreciate it. Colton, thank you. All right, I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with Queens University of Charlotte. Men's head rugby coach Frank McKinney, I know I certainly did. Again, I highly encourage you to check out uh, the movie Scrum. I'll put the link to it in the article that houses this podcast as well. In the description of the podcast will be nice and easy to track down. And if you don't have any plans this weekend, I encourage you to pay 12 bucks and then check it out. It was a good documentary. Like I said, if you if you like rugby, if you don't like rugby, I think it's kind of for everybody. Um, and it's a really good, honest look at, at college rugby in the United States. So I would encourage everybody to go check that out. Again, big thank you to Frank for taking some time to chat with me. Like I said, it was really fun. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and I hope everybody else did too. Skipping over required reading, like I said, not feeling good, so trying to get through this as quick as I can. Um, but we'll go ahead and close the show with the loop. Like I said, we'll be in Uruguay um, this weekend. We'll be back for the whole week, I guess. Uh, we'll be putting out some content while I'm there, so make sure you follow along with everything that we've got going on at the DNVR Rugby ad on Twitter, at DNVR underscore rugby, at Colton Strickler. Um, be doing my best to post all the updates I can, but get some good content out there. That's a place to keep up with me. So um, I think that does it for the show. Like I said, sorry. I apologize to everybody. I'm not feeling that good. I'm uh, just trying to get through the inside. But we really did want to get the show out so that everyone could hear that conversation I had with Frank. So I hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back next week while I'm in Uruguay with another episode. Uh, and I'll catch everybody back here next week then. 